I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which means I can actually for the lore, and it almost works. <laughs> listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Pretty self-explanatory. Hello, welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, I actually spell check this shit. <laughs> Apparently, I even I miss them. There's so many. <laughs> Planetory, come on, dude. All right, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, March twelfth. And apparently, since the boys need that tap, virtual tap on the ass to say good job last week, boys. Here it is. Good job last week. You didn't burn the podcast down. I'm I'm very happy. See there, there it is again. It's the caveat. It's like it's screw up. Good job, but no, there's no. Where's the but? It's a good job. No, if anything, it's that my expectations were low. I didn't want you to burn it down, and you didn't. So that means it's awesome. There, you did what I I didn't. You didn't do what I didn't want you to do. It's a good thing. It makes sense. Even in my drug-addled brain right now, it makes sense. So shut up and take it. All right. Anyways. Let's actually jump into some news. Of course, the biggest news this week has been Mass Effect 3, of course. I mean, we've been getting the uh, people bitching and complaining. I'm not going to name anyone in particular who's doing this, but uh, we can all point and whistle in their direction. The internet. And then, no, I've been reading a lot of people, too, who have been talking about it and making good points. It's funny because I'm trying really hard still to not read too many things about it because i do want it to be a surprise although you don't want spoilers but that being said too i know that there are so many different endings and different outcomes and different things throughout that you're not always going to have the um the same experience i mean case in point there's a fantastic post over at penny arcade and it's there now if you go check wherein um he's talking about how he they're they're both experiencing the game so differently because of choices that they made and whatnot and then he was talking also about the ending about the few people that have made comments about the ending that they they didn't like it or felt that it was let down and i would highly recommend you go and read it it's very well written and it's it makes an intelligent pers- gives you an intelligent perspective on the end of a trilogy of such importance so i um i'm really looking forward to seeing what the ending is myself now not going into that i mean we can't rate the game based on what we haven't seen yet kind of thing but in terms of what i have experienced so far it has been absolutely astounding it has been so utterly fantastic and i mean my expectations were quite high for this game and there is absolutely no disappointment in fact it goes above and beyond what i had hoped it would be god i i've said time and time again over the last several days because i played it throughout the week bits here and there but i really got into it this weekend and 
I hate the game for making me have feelings. <laughs> I mean, there have been so many soul-crushing decisions that I've had to make. I mean, my shepherd is leaving a wake of terror and destruction behind him. <laughs> I I think the Reapers would be a better option at this point. <laughs> it's funny because I'm watching my um, my percentages and whatnot, and because I'm doing the multiplayer quite a bit, they're actually going up. <laughs> they, they started at 50, and now they're above 80%, so it's like, geez, my shepherd can take all the time he wants. <laughs> but... I, one thing I do have to say about the whole ending thing is at least for me personally, this entire game is one big ending. So far, I've already seen the resolution of several plot points. So at least for me personally, I'm already getting those resolutions and that firm ending that a lot of people feel they're missing from the actual ending. I think that's a good point. I, I do. And like uh, so many things that have been said, too, and what people don't realize is that it's not the last, you know, five, ten minutes minutes of a game that make it. It's it's an interesting point, and one, one that I thought of as well, which, again, is made in that post at Penny Arcade, how there are metrics on how many people actually finish games. This is something that I'd wanted to bring up in a podcast once quite a while back, and I can't remember now if we actually did discuss it or not. I don't think we did. Um, but the numbers I seem had, to remember us yeah, in the something. 40s. Yeah, the, 40s. the, the numbers that were put out in terms of how many people finished various games and things like that, and most people don't, and I'm just as bad as the next person for finishing a goddamn game. So when you're looking at a developer that's spending so many millions on a game to blow the majority of the budget on an ending that the most people won't see makes no sense so spread the the love more evenly and, and i think that people don't realize that if you want that insanely epic ending kind of thing then you have to scale back much of the rest of the game again i don't know what the ending is it may very well be a complete borderlands letdown it's possible. It's highly unlikely, but it is possible. But like you were saying too, I'm looking at this as the resolution to the, the entire journey as a resolution to the previous two games. And Oops. so I'm all right with the way it's being told so far. And I'm, dude, I'm absolutely insanely hooked. I'm loving it. Yeah. If I, I go into that end game segment with, you know, with resolutions and closure to everything before the ending, then the ending is just, you know, a cherry on top. It doesn't have to, be anything more than its final action piece for me i find it amusing that i'm hearing people are rushing through the game and uh getting through it in like 16 17 hours uh, sometimes <laughs> less and it's like and they're they're sitting there and they're bitching about not being satisfied with the game and it's like what the hell do you expect at that point i mean i'm looking at my previous playthroughs on mass effect and mass effect 2 and it's like how many hours did i dump into those did anybody who spent as much time in those games in that universe as us would expect not to really get the full story or to get the full effect if you're just rushing through and skipping everything else? Like you guys said, it's supposed to be uh, the ending of an epic, right? It's supposed to be, uh, a, 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 I don't want to say a swan song because the universe is not exactly going away anywhere, but that particular section of the story of the universe is coming to a close and everything surrounding it. I mean, it's been how many years since the game was first released and you have all these different plots, all these different characters, all these different stories that need to be resolved. And this is the point. This is the, the game of resolution. So people that are rushing through it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Take your time and go through it. 
spend the time on side quests, spend the time investigating. I mean, play the game, but actually play the game. Hell, most of the side quests aren't even really side quests. They are core story quests. Yeah, and, and the few that aren't are still, from what I've seen so far, again, so far, maybe I'm just picking the right ones, still unbearably awesome. I'm still having a, 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 a dude, ED stuff. Oh my freaking <laughs> lord! My I, <laughs> and this was one of those. Okay, I got so much other shit to do. What am I gonna do? Oh, the ship's in trouble. Okay, well let's go check what's going on. And then it's like, boom! And it's like, oh my, my jaw drops. <laughs> so what's happening in this game is not just heart wrenching at times, um, heroic more so i mean when you're doing some of the shit there it is beyond heroic um it's just absolutely fantastic and then the the political aspects of needing to you know okay well i need you guys your turian fleet yeah well that's just going to mean decimation of their planet yeah but we're going to go and save earth so come on boys pack your shit and it's like it's a difficult choice still if you're actually investing yourself in the game if you're not well then of course, it's not going to mean anything to you. But then amidst that, you have the shit that's going on with Edie that is like, oh, my freaking Lord, this is awesome. And then Aaron's on Twitter tells me, make sure to go down to the commons area with <laughs> and check out some stuff. So it's like, I just dropped everything. Screw the Citadel, everything else I got to do. I went down and checked it out. And it's like, this is this is why I play this game because it's a mixture of that insanely awesome along with everything else. All I gotta say, and this is it's kind of a spoiler, but not much. But as much as I hated the the idea of the the glasses DLC that they put out for Mass Effect Two and the <laughs> stupid little thing, if they put out a little red dress that you can equip on a companion, <laughs> I will pay five bucks for it. Put it up for five bucks. It is sold. I will do it. <sighs> so we... Uh, you're, the, you're the reason You're the reason they can sell booster packs. Well, just for that. I mean, if, if, if that was in a booster pack, I'd buy a hell of a lot of booster packs just on the off chance that I'd get one because it's freaking awesome. Um, we have some links on the uh, show notes that you guys can check out if you want. There are some um, some information about the romanceable characters in ME3. Actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't check it. I'm not checking this shit until I go through more of the game. Um, there's also a spoiler-free guide to the endings for ME3. So, again, go and check that. Now, the one thing that we... Well, at least Joe and I can agree that we're very disappointed in Bioware 4. And I know that there are a lot of people that are insanely disappointed and disgusted and whatnot. But to a certain degree, I'm going to take the devil's advocate role as well just to kind of take their side for some of that is of course the day one dlc fiasco because people kind of ripped through the files and saw that some of the content from that from ashes is actually was actually in the game so actually joe i'll let you go on it for a little bit well i mean it's it, i'm not going to harp on it too much um but it's something that people did uncover and and i did seek confirmation just to make sure that somebody wasn't just bullshitting that it wasn't just somebody decided to make a big stink out of nothing um but you can unlock the playable character of the prothean i can't remember his name uh but the weird looking prothean dude uh without actually having the dlc um but i went back and and talked to actually one of my editors and this is nothing uncommon with the Mass mm -hmm. Effect series. When Mass Effect 2 came out, before Kitsumi was ever announced, you could unlock her. So yeah. 
I mean, it's what gets me about it though is not so much that there's day one DLC or that it's something that's already activated in the code. I just want them to be upfront about it, and that's really what bothers me about it. They're like, oh, you know, it wasn't planned. It happened after production. Blah 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 blah. Just say we have all these DLCs planned out to span a certain period of time. At that point, I have no problem giving you my money. If the content's good, if the DLC is going to be good and it's not going to be fucking witch hunt, I'm fine. Just be honest about it. Be upfront. Don't treat your gaming audience, your consumers, the people that pay your paycheck at the end of the day, like we're idiots. We're not. We tend to be very intelligent. Well, for the most part, who's excluded. And we tend to go through stuff like files and, and actually find stuff like this all the time. You're not going to be able to hide it. So why not just own it? And that's what gets me. It, it's it's not so much that they did it. I can deal with I can completely deal with the day one DLC, but be upfront about it. Well, see, you could also unlock the Geth and Mass Effect two as well. Yep. Early on, see the thing too is, uh, and basically you're saying essentially the same thing as what we were chatting about earlier too. The a lot of people are very upset about the the fact that they paid for a game and this content was in it and they're just being charged more. The thing that you have to keep in mind is that again there's a business model that they're using here that they're putting out a game you're paying for this this portion here this is the game this is what you're paying for and then they are planning out throughout the year or for the lifespan of the game what how they can put the dlc to extend the life of said game kind of thing so they're planning it out so this concept that some people have that it should all be after the fact and it shouldn't have been implemented from the get-go and that they're, you know, they feel like they're being ripped off or stuff that was already in there. It doesn't make sense because once again, it's it's naive to think that any developer is not coding in all, if not at least a large majority of the DLC beforehand. And then they're just, as you're downloading thing, it's overwriting files with files that have already long ago been changed and been uh, updated to have that, that DLC kind of thing. So well, it, just saying that, oh, I unlocked it, it's there, I should have it. That's not how it works. You, again, you paid for a game and the business model they had was for games throughout the year the the thing that is annoying is their handling of it they, mm-hmm. they need to be upfront about it and just admit yes that's part of the dlc so of course it's going to be in the game when we ship it and just be upfront about it it's i don't see it as anything to hide or be embarrassed about or try to be sneaky about at all yeah they finally came out with a secondary statement a couple days ago about yes part of it was on the disc but I want to use as an example uh, Dragon Age Origins for planned versus unplanned DLC. You can tell from playing Dragon Age Origins with this DLC what they intended to have for their downloadable content and then the stuff they added in afterwards because the game turned out to be more popular than they expected. If you look at Stone Prisoner, um, Return to Ostagar, Mm -hmm. and whatever that other place was with with the stupid chest for your stash, all of that is perfectly tied into the actual game and i'm sure if somebody went to go diving into the game files they could find that that stuff was there before or at least return to ostagar because the rest was day one stuff that was in the files but then if you also look at other content uh not counting darkspawn chronicles because obviously that would be really hard to meld into the core uh campaign but stuff like uh the golems of amgaric or witch hunt things that could have very easily been part of the core game were their own separate entities be just personally because i'm pretty sure they never planned that ahead of time so please bioware could have 
really help themselves out of just, like you said, coming up from the front and say, this is what we planned. Because, yes, you can unlock uh, Javik in Mass Effect 3. Basically, you can just unlock his character model and use him in combat. All of his actual content isn't on the disc. So I think if Bioware had, like you guys said, if they had come out ahead of time and just squashed it, uh, okay, still millions of people would have been yelling at them because that's the way fans are against Bioware these days. But it would have at least helped. Yeah, this is just the well, internet being stupid, essentially, in my opinion. I'm sorry. It, it It is. It really is. But you also have to look at it, too. Like you said, it's a business model, right? They need to make that money throughout the year. They need to recoup that cost. And they need to turn a profit on it because if the series is profitable, the series continues. Do you honestly think Mass Effect would not keep going if if Mass Effect 1 wasn't successful or Mass Effect 2 didn't turn a profit? Do you think they would have bothered with 3? No. And part of that is how they lay out the DLCs. Again, I can completely understand it. I think people just need to stop being so butthurt about it a little bit. And yeah, they. I'm, I'm serious. Like it's... At first glance, it sounded bad, but when you go back and you actually calm down and you look at it, it's not that bad. Well, not only is it not that bad, is it? it again, it takes that rational thought of, that that you just kind of think about it for a minute and think about it again. If you are any other type of business and you're doing something similar in terms of planning your business model over the course of a year, then it's it's easily rationalized but of course this is the internets and so one person jumps on it and then everybody else jumps in because it's oh dear lord even your dog is pissed dear lord <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's it's much louder at your place now <laughs> yeah no they i i apologize we're sorry about that roger that's fine okay <laughs> let's move away from that i think we've said enough anyways let's talk about some blizzard because they're they're pissing off people right now too joe i'll let you take this one. Oh god yeah blizzard uh blizzard recently revamped the skull of resurrection uh it's basically an attempt to gain back subscribers uh, anybody who's played in the game knows that you can send somebody uh an email that says hey come back to the game and if they sign up you get a free mount um, I have personally used it to get my nice little rocket mount with a friend of mine, so I know it works. Um, but among a list of... Uh, people are upset because they think that what they're giving in this new Scroll of Resurrection is lopsided in terms of the people coming back. Um, people who come back get a free level 80, essentially. Um, if you have a character below 80, your character gets... You get to choose one gets automatically brought up to level 80, gets a brand new set of level 80 gear uh, so that they can enter into the Cataclysm, gets Cataclysm for free if they sign up, um, and then also with that same character, if they want to move it to the, whoever sent them the scrolls server and faction, a free server and faction change. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of incentive for that person to come back. Um, and out of the deal, the person sending the scroll gets a spectral mount either a griffin or a wyvern, based on whatever faction you are. People are really upset. They're like, well, I've been here for seven years. What do I get? Blizzard has given out mounts. Blizzard has given out pets. Blizzard has given out tons of free stuff uh, over the years. So people have stayed logged into the game, uh, as well as stuff that's no longer available to those people that are, are not part of the game, that weren't part of the game for that time frame. Is it something I think people should be that upset about? No. Do I think it's a good idea on Blizzard's part? Yes. Um, it also comes at a, an interesting point in time where all of a sudden now Star Wars allows you to invite people for a free trial. So you get to control that. And immediately after that was announced, Blizzard reactivated the Scroll of Resurrection. So I think they've been sitting on it for a while. It happened to come out. People are upset about it. 
people will eventually get over it and forget it ever exists. Welcome to the internet. I don't understand also, why they're upset. I it, it just comes off as opinion. petty <laughs> and greedy. They're getting all this stuff and I got nothing. What the hell? It's yeah, but they're trying to entice this person back. I mean, of course they're going to be offering them a crap load of stuff. They've got a, a, a huge amount of competition right now and coming shortly. You damn right they're going to start offering these huge packages. This well, is basically the the Hey Vince Resurrection Scroll because. I really enjoyed my time in Cataclysm up to level 60. I loved all the new content. I really liked what they did. But once I got to that level 60 content, I could not bring myself to play through it again. I still personally haven't done any of the 80 to 85 Cataclysm content. Would you if like a spell, Vince? If, <laughs> if it weren't for the half dozen other games I'm currently playing, I would be interested in this offer. Just say the word. I'll send you one. I want them out. I want that Spectral Griffin. Yeah, there ain't no words. I will buddy. pay for. I will pay for your first month. <laughs> so basically, okay. you're gonna buy yourself a Spectral Griffin. Is what you're saying? Yep. How... <laughs> Actually, it still winds up being okay. Hold cheaper, on. Though. Cheaper than the Blizzard how, store. Yeah. How long do you have to? One month. You are you kidding? You only have to sign up for one. So month basically, you're thing. getting Cataclysm for fifteen bucks. You're getting Cataclysm. I'm not counting all the other stuff, but just Cataclysm. You're getting the Cataclysm for the cost of uh, basically one month. And then on top of that, the um, the all transfer the as well. The transfer and faction change. Holy crap in hell. That's a it's hell a of a deal. deal it, right? For 15 bucks, that's a damn and good deal. They've already seen a ton of people come back to this. And, well, I can yeah. see, and I can see this personally. Like on my server alone, I log in for Ray Time and what was like barren corners and people that I haven't seen in months are all of a sudden back in the game with brand new eighties and awesome looking gear. So, I mean, it's, people are definitely taking advantage of the stroller resurrection. It's a good deal for anybody, especially people in Vince's position who didn't want to do the 60 to, to 80 content over again, but it was the, it's the right time for it. Really. It's pre Mr. Pandaria. We're going to pro the, the press, uh, closed pressed conference for Mr. Pandaria is coming out this week. Um, next week we get a list of the NDA of all the Mr. Pandaria stuff, um, as well as the female, uh, Pandaren monk model, which we'll be hearing about soon, but they're also releasing more information about the mechanics and the class changes and everything else. So yeah, they're trying to get people into the game and get them through cataclysm because by the time they're done with that and they've experienced the game, they're going to go ahead and be able to go right into Mr. Pandaria if they want. Um, but it's not the only Blizzard news we have. We have uh, some other things as well. Um, Diablo 3, the darling decade-old sleeper of uh, Blizzard here, is supposedly going to have an April release. It's been showing up on people's Battle.net accounts as an active subscription, particularly those people who have signed up for the uh, early subscription, the year-long subscription thing. I saw it happen on mine. It's sitting there ready waiting. The only thing it's missing is the download link. Uh, it seems like it is going to wind up being right in time for an April release. Also, at the same time, people are starting to see Mist of Pandaria Alpha stuff pop up on their account. So we're coming to a point where people are going to be logging into Diablo 3 and probably missed very, very soon. That seems too soon for D3. I mean, and that's kind of an ironic statement considering the fact that it's been, you know, 10 <laughs> years in the making, more than that. But it still seems too soon based on what we'd been hearing recently and how many 
huge, huge changes they were putting mm-hmm. into the game. And the fact that, like Vince was saying too, they were having to remove PvP from it to, just to rush it out. And it feels that that's what it is. They're rushing it out, which is not something that Blizzard typically does. Yeah, but at this point, if you're waiting 12 years, you kind of got to shitter it off the pot. I think that's the point they're getting at. Wow. Not, to mention, not to mention their Activision overlords are probably like, we need money. Hey, quick question about the um, the WoW stuff, though. If you... Um, if you don't have Northrend, let's say, or let's say Northrend even NBC, can you still activate, reactivate that account and get Cataclysm because you're going to be at 80, so you don't have to worry about the content? I think you can. I'm not sure, though. Okay, because if you're I the remember, WoW guy, you're going to find out. If I remember correctly, I thought you actually needed the other expansions installed just... Uh from the software point of view, like you couldn't install Cataclysm without the other two. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know because you're getting a full digital download of Cataclysm and everything you need for it. This is true. So, so I don't know anybody who doesn't have those games and it's not covered in the FAQ. Cause it's one of the things I did look for. Yeah. Cause I, I not that I'm thinking of going back to it, but I thought of it because on one of my accounts, I've got, um, I've got the, obviously the original and then I've got um, BC, but I don't have Northrend because I, I stopped that account um, for a while because that's when I was playing with Tristan on. And uh, so when he stopped playing, I just didn't bother getting Cataclysm or Northrend, obviously, on that one. But to say that I could start that one back up again and slap on a fresh 80 on that sucker and get Cataclysm for free and whatnot, that'd be a hell of a deal for people who have not played for a long time on their accounts. Okay, anyways, find out. Uh, let's move on to Terra because we had uh, yet another Terra weekend. I don't know how many people were playing with all the other games to play this weekend, though. Unfortunately, I, I didn't get the play Mass Effect all weekend. Yeah. I, I wasn't home. I did not update my files. I didn't. I obviously didn't play this weekend. I did not have time, and uh, I had the other games to, that I wanted to play a lot, a lot more. Um, yes, hello, Tart in the chat room. Does that mean you're going to be quiet now? Okay, we love you, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so you did find some news about it, though, Vince, in terms of um, the dynamic events. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting little talk they had at uh, GDC last week. And they were really comparing how far the game has come since last GDC when they showed it off. Talking about a lot of the changes they've made uh, and the challenges they've had bringing it from the Eastern audience over to the Western audience. Some of the changes they've had to make, such as implementing an auction house, which wasn't even in the Korean version. Uh, anybody who's played the beta, you've seen the little individual shops that people can set up. Well, that was the only method of selling your items in Korea. So they've done a lot of stuff outside of just translating the game to bring it over to the Western audience. But one of the things that they really talked about that I am such mixed feelings on <laughs> is their new dynamic event system where they say rifts are going to open up in the game world. Monsters are going to pour through and players are going to have to fight them back, which let's just be honest, is exactly done. what happened in Rift. That said, that was in my time in the beta in Rift, before I didn't bother playing it when it came out, that was my favorite part of that game was those elemental invasions and stuff. It was just the, the, the entire game was so similar to a game I didn't want to play anymore that I didn't want to play that game anymore. But that actual dynamic system was a lot of fun, and I'd be interested to see that implemented in a game I actually do care to play. <laughs> I was still having fun. I think it's going to be a cool little thing to throw in there. And actually, I didn't realize exactly how much they had to go through to 
get the game over here. Like I knew it was a lot. I knew it was a complete overhaul, but like it's it's just interesting to go back and see exactly how much they had to go through uh, from announcing to this point now. And uh, it's I don't know. It's kind of humbling for anybody who's ever been interested in making video games because you always hear about that much hard work, but you look at it and especially something like this. And yeah, it's it's pretty epic. Okay, let's move on to some of the uh, big news that we got this week. Of course, uh, one of the big news items was the Apple event wherein they talked about the new iPad. And again, when you're looking at gaming, portable gaming right now, the iPad and iPhone are huge in terms of portable gaming. And um, so they did announce the, not the iPad 3, the new iPad, which is the most ridiculous name ever. I, well, I guess they've realized that they're going to keep putting numbers at the end yeah. pretty soon. It's going to kind of ridiculous. They could have called it the iPad U. Absolute stupidity. Anyways, but but we are getting a retina display that's actually going to be higher than 1080p. You're going to get a better resolution on this small screen than you do on your big screen, which is freaking awesome. And then it's got a quad-core processor, yada, yada, yada. But all that is going to allow it to do is freaking rock games like we've never seen before in portable gaming. And we did get a demo for Infinity Blade Dungeons. Now, if you've played Infinity Blades 1 or 2, you know that the it just looks insanely gorgeous plays smooth it's just i i it's i love it this here has much more of a dungeon crawler Diablo type feel to it. Um, I love how you are chaining attacks and things like that. It looks like it's going to be just all balls out fantastic i'm this is gonna be a day one purchase for me as soon as it comes out. I'm buying an i. I'm buying an. I'm gonna call it the iPad three. God damn it. Oh, so I'm. I'm gonna buy an iPad three. I actually have money set aside. I'm getting it on. Well, yeah, I get it Friday, um, or whenever it's released. And uh, yeah, I'm buying Infinity Blade Dungeons the minute it's available because it just looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I'm gonna be purchasing mine as well too as soon as it's out. And um, and basically this is I can't wait for the games because a lot of the games that are coming out on other systems I have uh, been picking them up if there's a port on the iPad and sometimes it's not as good but overall I'm really really digging it and like I've been playing the Infiltrator Mass Effect Infiltrator on the iPad ah oh, it's fantastic I love it I absolutely love it and the fact that it's tying in so closely with the game as well just makes it feel that when I'm not in the game playing the actual game I'm still tied to it there's still that that feeling of being involved in that universe during that time and i love no that. separation anxiety for roger none at all not at all it's awesome how, how much um difference is that making in your galaxy preparedness etc well it's hard to tell because i've got that and then i've doing the multiplayer mm -hmm. the multiplayer is what makes the biggest difference I mean, oh yeah the multiplayer it's insane how much it just ramps right back up again so you get like four percent per match i think um, I think it's higher than that even. I'm not, I'm not depending I, on how well you do. I would get yeah, so. because there's also like, there's different bonuses that you can get as well. Um, in terms of like when I was playing with my son earlier, like if you went to a random map, you got a 10% experience bonus. If you went to a random enemies, you got a 15% experience bonus. So there's, there's things like that. So I, I don't know how it works out exactly though. Um, but it is still 
really fun. Um, I find that the controls are were a little trickier to get used to uh, initially, but then it didn't take too long and I had it. Um, but uh, it, just a ton of fun. And again, the, the way that it integrates into the game, I'd like to see a lot of other games do that kind of thing too. I mean, again, picture Bioshock Infinite. And if they did something similar to this, just something from that world just you know it doesn't even have to be those characters just from that world that setting that you can play on it that somehow ties in i think there's a lot of potential for that we need to be seeing a lot more of that uh let's move on to the gdc because that was the big one of course too and uh they were talking about the their picks for the uh, the games in the categories of the year joe i'll let you tackle this one uh, yeah, basically every year at the GDC, the Game Developers Choice Awards is held, and literally what it sounds like, game developers vote for their favorites in each category. Um, so what we got was a list of nominations and winners, and some of them I agree with, and some of them I kind of don't understand, but that's okay. Um, so Game of the Year, we had Batman Arkham City, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, Portal 2, Deus Ex Human Revolution, and Dark Souls. Winner went to Skyrim, of course. No surprise. Uh, not really surprised. I'm not sure I consider it game of the year. I really, really don't. I still would have probably leaned towards Batman personally, but hey, I'm not in the industry, so... Let the record show that the actual game developers agreed with my game of the year choice. <laughs> Actually, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Best Narrative, which was Portal 2, uh, The Witcher 2, Bastion, Uncharted 3, uh, and Saints Row the Third. They gave it to Portal 2. I don't agree with that, personally. I, pers I, I honestly think it should have gone to Bastion. I think Bastion had the best narration in any game that came out last year and this year so far. Just the way that they developed, the way they presented it. And I'm not really sure if I remember that much narration in Portal 2, to be honest. Well, there's a big difference between narration and narrative. Eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So Moving then we want to do best game design. Uh, Skyrim, Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, Portal 2, Batman Arkham City, Dark Souls. They gave it to Portal 2. Uh, best technology, Battlefield 3, L.A. Noir, Crisis 2, Skyrim, Uncharted 3. The winner was Battlefield 3. Uh, Best Visual Arts, Uncharted 3, Raymond Origins, Skyrim, uh, El Shaddai, The uh, Ascension of the Metatron, which was an awesome looking game, uh, and Battlefield 3. They gave it to Uncharted 3, which I can honestly see. It was it was very visually stunning. Um, Best Debut, Supergiant Games, Bastion, uh, Team Bondi, Ellie Noir, uh, Relogic Terraria, uh, Bioware Austin's for Star Wars The Old Republic, Eidos Montreal for Deus Ex Human Revolution. They gave the winner to Bastion. Um, definitely agree with that one. Innovation Award, uh, Skylander, Spyro's Adventure, Toys for Bob. That's the one with the little toys that you can put on the portal disc and then play them on the screen. Um, portal 2, Bastion, Johann Sebastian Joust, and L.A. Noir Team. They gave it to Johann Sebastian Joust, and I don't know about you, but I didn't hear about this. Not at all. I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> okay, now, because you yeah. didn't give us a chance to say anything in the last one, though, best debut, as much as I love Bastion, and you know I did, to put it over Star Wars for Bioware Austin, for me, that makes no sense. That that absolutely mind-boggling. Again, if they're... 
if, if this was considered just Bioware, so it doesn't fit in as debut, then I'd say fine. But no, they're putting it in there as Bioware Austin, so its own, its own uh, studio. Then, uh, how can you say that Bastion was a better debut than Star Wars: The Old Republic? Because it at, was the game nobody expected. I well, at least for me, it's because Bioware Austin is comprised of a lot of industry veterans. Sure, it was that studio's debut, but pretty much all the other studios here are new studios without as much experience. Yeah, but they're not saying for me. best debut by the little engine that could. I, that oh I'm my god, we're cheering for that him because is we. How I am justifying it. I don't think that. Okay, well, fine. You can live in your little fantasy world, but best debut means best debut. It doesn't mean by the guys that are the least skilled that we're hoping for or by people that we don't think has as many staff or as much experience or whatever or that we weren't expecting something this awesome for. It, it's not that. It's which game was the best from this starting company. And by that criteria, my God, again, to, to compare the Old Republic to Bastion, as much as I adore I... Bastion, it doesn't begin to compare to the Old okay. Republic. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, Ian Derricks here, uh, his statement, and I'm going to echo it. You look at Star Wars The Old Republic, and yes, it was a great release, and it's a great game, and it's very fun and entertaining, but show me one thing they did in there that they didn't do in another game besides the legacy system. But you look at that's not again. That's no, 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 no. Don't you shush me when a, I'm medicated. That's it's not a valid point because again, it's it best is. debut. It's not most original debut. It's not. I mean, again, at heart, Bastion is still a platformer. I mean, yes, it's got some original aspects to it, but it's still a platformer. It's not saying most original. It's best debut game. So it doesn't matter if it uses things that other games have. I mean, shit, the other uh, uh, games in this category all did new things that had been done over and over again. It's the one underneath, innovative. That's where you're looking at. Yes, Bastion was innovative, but that's it's just best debut game. So it doesn't... Your, your argument doesn't agree, hold agree water. Moving on. So yeah, okay, best <laughs> handheld mobile game, Tiny Tower, Super Mario 3D Land, Jetpack Joyride, Infinity Blade 2, uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, EP... Uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery won, and I never heard of that game. Well, I played it. I talked about it when we talked about the best, best games. Yeah. It's a very good game. It's very original, very good game, and, and it was. In terms of... Um, I, I would have given it again to Infinity Blade 2 just because of what it does on the iPad, um, but Super, uh, Super Brothers was really, really cool. And just for the record, I finally looked up that Johan Sebastian Joust not impressed. It's basically a video game without the video. All right. Awesome. Uh, best <laughs> audio. Uh, Bastion, Little Big Planet 2, Skyrim, Dead Space 2, and Portal 2. They gave it to Portal 2. I actually would have given it to Dead Space 2 out of all of them. Not just from, like, not just music, but, like, sound effects and creepiness and using audio engineering. Those other games, I mean, Dead Space 2, you put on a, a headset with surround sound and you're probably going to shit yourself at some point. It's going to happen. It's that amnesia level scary with the way things happen. But I, I can understand for Portal 2. You guys, anything to say to that? Not really. I mean, I feel the first Dead Space did more with audio, so I have no problem with Portal being selected. Okay, nothing from Roger, I guess. 
No, I agree. I would have gone again with Portal 2 as well myself, actually. Okay, and best downloadable game. Stacking, Double Fine, From Dust, uh, from Ubisoft, Bastion from Supergiant Games, Outland from House Marquee, and Frozen Synapse from Mode 7. They gave it to Bastion, which, of course, I definitely agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Let's move away from there now and talk about uh, Dust 514, which they did mention during the GDC as well. Um, they are actually hinting quite strongly that it will come to the PC and not just be a PS3 exclusive. So... I mean, you're playing Eve on the PC. It would stand to reason that a lot of people would be happy to see it on the PC as well. Well, especially when uh, you're talking about a game that's going to be sort of cross-faction in that respect, right? One game is going to be able to influence the other. Having it on the same platform just makes sense. Um, and, I mean, I I think that's really good news to look at the fact that they're even just considering uh, having it on the PC. I would love to see it on the PC, and that would be a must-purchase for me at that point. All right. Vince, nothing? I have okay. no interest in EVE, so... Okay. All right, good enough. Yeah, really. I, I don't have much either. <laughs> My guy is still <laughs> lost in space somewhere right now. I have no idea where he is. He doesn't You're like know like Darth either. Vader after the first kinda, Death Star battle. Just kind of spinning in circles. <laughs> lost, that's me. Uh, let's move on to Bioshock Infinite. We got a little bit of news on that one, too, which was pretty awesome. Joe. Yeah. Uh, no, Vince. Okay, go ahead, Vince. Well, I, you know uh, how to talk. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, we saw some more about Bioshock Infinite and them talking about what they've termed termed the heavy hitters. Um, it's kind of a disservice to say they're Bioshock Infinite's version of the big daddies, but in a way, they are. They're the big scary enemies that you're going to have a hard time with and be really worried when they show up. Unlike the Big Daddies, though, they've designed four unique enemies that you're really going to have to approach in interesting ways. Uh, the first one we saw was the Handyman, uh, the big hulking brute with the heart beating inside of its chest. Just that's going to be a beast. But I laughed so hard when I saw their new one, the Motorized <laughs> Patriot. As I've said, it answers the ages old question. What if George Washington had a minigun? <laughs> I love the way they explained it, too, because I've been to Disney's Hall of Presidents, and those are the creepiest-looking presidents you will ever see in your life. And that's the concept they came up with. What if somebody took one of these weird, creepy, wax-faced, don't-look-right Hall of Presidents animatronic figures and weaponized it? And this thing scares the hell out of me. I just think the damn thing looks cool as hell, and I can't wait to shoot the thing in the face. <laughs> Fair enough. That's October, isn't it? October 16th, I believe? Yep. 16th or 29th? 16th. Uh, 16th, yeah. The 30th or whatever was uh, Assassin's Creed. Right. Oh, frick, man. Fall is going to be just as busy as the You haven't even played now. the first Assassin's Creed yet. Don't no, worry. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about Bioshock. Oh, I'm not. No, no, dude. I'm not playing Assassin's Creed until they. Although this would be the, the a good jumping on part. Like I'd said, point, I should say. Like I'd said before, too. It would. It's just the other ones. I want to do them all at the same time. I don't care. Moving on. Okay, let's talk about some Deus Ex. Joe. Uh, Deus Ex Human Evolution Lapikas. I think I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sorry. Uh, apologizes for the boss battles in the game. I thought that was absolutely interesting because the boss battles in that game sucked. Everything else about the game was cool as hell. Those boss battles, freaking annoying. See, I've, uh, I'm at the point where I've almost heard too much about this already. 
It seems like that's all anybody bitched about with the game. That and the freaking racism. <laughs> that's basically all there was to bitch about. Which... Yeah, more or less. <laughs> but it also was interesting because not only did they apologize about the boss battles, um, they talked about design choices in the game, uh, such as development taking inspiration from the Children of Men and X-Men, which you can, now that they've mentioned it, you can definitely go back and see that influence. Um, he also, they also go back and note, uh, some of the problems they faced with hacking and how to make it challenging without making it just, you know, overwhelmingly impossible or making it so stupidly easy. Anybody could do it all the time, which defeated the purpose of having it. I don't know. It's, it, it was a very candid interview where he did, I mean, really he didn't pull any punches and he just said, this is what happened. This, this sucked. This was awesome. This didn't suck. You know, I mean, it's. I don't know, refreshing to see somebody talk so openly about the game. I just wish we would have got it sooner. Yeah, see, I've seen some of those guys on in uh, at various conventions as well. When you listen to their, their interviews and all that, that's the impression I've gotten from them every single time, that they are honest about their studio and what they do and things like that. So, I mean, you got to respect that. I, I just found it interesting when he was talking about their development process for the hacking minigame and how his initial plan was to have it be like actual hacking where you're managing all these different parameters at once and how it grew so complicated the guy that created the system couldn't do it anymore <laughs> all right let's move away from there and uh joe you found an interesting little game yeah deadlight uh it's a new horror game coming to xbox live um and apparently it is a huge success in creating a sense of despair uh, takes place in 1980s urban setting of Seattle, which is quite different than a lot of the other survival games we see. Um, there are no smartphones. There's no mass internet for the player to have known about what's going on. So the, the game relies solely on player discovery to tell the tale about what happened. That's an awesome concept. And, I mean, no matter what you've had, every, think of every other zombie survival horror game, every other post-apocalyptic world we've had, I mean, in games coming up to this point, there's been smartphones, there's been internet, there's been radios, there's been military communication. There's something that the, the character knows what's going on. Here, you have no damn clue what the hell's going on. You are forced to find out what happened. I seem to um, recall there was military communication in the 80s. I was around then. Not, not, like, not like this, though, you know what I mean? Not like, you know... You're not a stars team member going into a zombie infestation. You know what I mean? Like you're not a member of the military is what I mean. What I'm getting at for the game. Gotcha. Uh, so, and it's got the classic pitfalls. You know, weapons are in short supply. Uh, the game encourages you to run, jump, climb, and find other ways to get away from the hordes of zombies. So it's got all the best aspects of some of the other survival horror games that we loved, like you know, going back and talking about Silent Hill, where it wasn't always about fighting; it was about surviving. And there's a big difference when you're down to like your last clip or you're bored with your nails about to break. You need to run. You run. Um, it and looks... I don't, there's not enough of that right now in games. It Agreed. seems that the mentality has become stand in a space in a circle with three other guys, each of you facing a different direction and just mow down all of the zombies that come towards you and just move around and just mow. Whereas it's not about what you were saying, survival. It's not about get the hell out of the way so that you're not getting killed. It's more like, I want to play the freaking Glenn, you know, yep. <laughs> running and surviving, not the go through and try to shoot everybody. I don't want to be Shane. And I, I, I just think nobody it's... wants to be Shane. Nobody wants to be Shane, but I, I just think it looks absolutely intriguing. And it's definitely a game I'm going to check out as just a fan of zombies, survival horror games in general. 
Um, I think it's just going to be an awesome twist on the, the what we've already had. I can't wait to play it. Yeah, see, I think if they would have done more of this with Dead Island, I think it would have been far better. But instead they chose to, yeah, you're going to run out of ammo, but instead of run, they're forcing you to do a lot more melee combat. I, I think that's, again, counterproductive to creating suspense in, in, in a game. And maybe it's just me, but from watching the little gameplay video here, just the style and the way you navigate and dodging the enemies and this and that, I get a very another world feel from this game. I don't know mm-hmm. if, if you guys are familiar, but that that excites me because I, I loved that game, as did so many people. But I don't know. I have a really bad track record lately when it comes to downloadable games. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, you liked Alan Wake. Yeah, th- that's one. <laughs> the, prior to that the other three or four i've mentioned haven't turned out so well actually i was playing um alan wake not to change the subject but i was playing with my son we were about halfway through and um you know you, you had mentioned that you didn't think that the graphics were quite on par with one and i'm i'm not seeing much of a difference i gotta tell you i it's, it's mostly in like the, the character models and the yes, conversations it's, so it's a little different very very minor though it's just been absolutely I didn't say fantastic. It was a bad yeah oh, yeah no no but it's just been we're really really enjoying it a lot mm-hmm. we're just waiting for another evening where we can just polish the the rest of it off but holy crap and hell it's been absolutely fantastic and creepy as shit so yeah okay let's move on to the last topic and really vince Angry Birds in a lore <laughs> podcast. This is what you, you went with. I don't think you understand the epic history between the conflict of the birds and the pigs. I mean, there's this really in-depth story. You're going with about, this, aren't you? About the whole. Uh, if you hang up on him, I'll give you a dollar. And the, just the, the 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 motivations behind this ongoing battle between. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want my dollar. Did okay. you actually hang up on him? Of course I did. I will give you a dollar, sir. <laughs> well played, sir. A dollar's a dollar. <laughs> Make your point. I, I just really liked pointing out this video because it embodies a lot of what is missing in gaming these days and how you can learn things through playing your games. And so many people, you know, push off Angry Birds as whatever, it's that stupid freaking cell phone game. But my nephew plays the hell out of Angry Birds. And just from what we see here in the video, how it's implementing ideas of gravitational pull and stuff that he can learn from it without it being a, quote, educational game. I, I really enjoyed that, and I, I appreciated this video. Angry Birds, folks. <laughs> On the lore podcast. Actually, I should get the link again to that, um, that Michael Bay-esque movie of angry birds did you ever see that no it is freaking hilarious so somebody made a short video trailer as if they were making an angry birds video and it's in michael bay style absolutely hysterical do a search for it on you on uh, youtube okay with that we're actually going to wrap it up for tonight thanks to everybody who stopped by to listen to us fools and we will of course be back on monday next week if you need to reach us, you can reach us on Gmail for the lore and on Twitter for the lore as well. Dude, really, I'm, <laughs> I started waning 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Surprised I made it this long. So you can reach us as, at all of those for the lores. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, dear Lord. Oh. <laughs> I need a nap. <laughs> oh, my God. Midnight.
The Dresden Files is a book series written by Jim Butcher, a sci-fantasy series about a modern-day wizard in Chicago and his adventures not only with magic, but dealing with normal people in the worlds that collide. The old, the new, the mythical, the reality that we all accept. It's a fantastic book series, one that's been going on for now a number of years. Uh, it has reached its books in the teens now, and nobody knows where it's going to end. Now, today we're going to talk about the Dresden Files role-playing game, Book 1, Your Story. Pen and paper RPGs are the granddaddy of all interactive storytelling. From before the time when any video games could capture the hearts and minds of millions with their glittering graphics, voice acting, and just wow us with everything that we see nowadays, we had to rely on interaction with other human beings and our own imagination. Probably the most famous of all these would be Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody has heard of it at some point, not everybody has played it. The Dresden Files role-playing game is exactly what it sounds like. It is a role-playing game set in the Dresdenverse, a land of magic users and wizards and assassins and vampires and werewolves and everything in between. It's a fantastic series. Everything is contained within two books. The first one, which is your story, is all about creating your character and learning about the world you travel in. The book itself contains everything you need to know, really and honestly, to get started in the series. If you know nothing else about role-playing, if you know nothing else about game mechanics or systems, this is the place. One of the things I really enjoy about the game setting is the fact that your character is completely customizable to whatever you want. If you want to be a mundane cop, to an action-adventure hero, to something other or greater, whether it's a supernatural creature fighting on the side of good or potentially bad, depending on your storyteller's tastes, it's everything is in here. Possibly the most exciting thing about it is, is the expression of magic. Magic is pure willpower. It takes on shape and intent based on the caster. What this means is you're not solely restricted to what you find in terms of a spell book. Not everybody has the same spells. Not everybody's spells looks the same. You have a way to completely customize your character. The other thing is the way that it builds your world. In Dresden, there's a world beneath and over Chicago. Essentially, the supernatural world. They exist side by side with humanity. That means that anywhere else the story can be created, in your hometown, in a completely place that you made up yourself. Absolutely phenomenal. It's actually very easy to learn. Instead of using a complicated dice system, such as D20s, D10s, or any other various types, it uses a special type of die called a fudge die. The fudge die has a plus one, a zero, and a minus one. What winds up happening is every time your character needs to make a power move, uh, an attempt at casting magic or an ability, or in order to see if you succeed or fail in a desired action, you roll your fudge dice. Whatever you get, whether it's positive or minus, is weighed against the difficulty of the action. If the action difficulty is 2 and you roll a 1, 
you fail, but not as badly as if you would roll a minus four. It does take a little getting used to, but once you've read through it, absolutely phenomenal. You can play a regular normie. You can play a sword-wielding vigilante who happens to have seen one thing too many. Anything you want is covered by this book series. And it thrusts you into the world of the Dresdenverse so fantastically. The book itself is big and hefty and has a lot of weight to it. Not only are you treated to the mechanics of the system, but you're also treated to lore and flavor text of the world in general. A complete backstory of Harry Dresden and his friends are all inside there, including a character sheet depicted of how, at this point, Harry Dresden would be if you were in the game, as done by Jim Butcher himself. But more importantly, you get little footnotes from the characters that Jim Butcher has put in. So characters from the series will have highlighted texts, and it's as if the text itself, the book, was created by the people in the universe as sort of their own private game. Anybody who's played a role-playing game, pen and paper, you probably at one point or another tried to give yourself or make yourself a role-playing game or a pen and paper of your own making. So it's interesting to see characters that are geeks inside of the books take on a new level of geekery for all of us out here. But everything from... Harry's personal notes on different villains that he's encountered or different entities that he's encountered in the book series are awesome, as well as just some of the other things that you may not have considered or things that may have gone on in the background. The book itself is about $50 for the first book, and it's done by Evil Hat Productions. The RPG system is something called the Fate RPG system. It's phenomenal. If you're interested in role-playing, if you're a veteran, or even if you're new, but you're a fan of fantasy, if you're a fan of sci-fantasy, you're a fan of Dresden Files in general, I highly recommend picking up the book. It will help speed along your interactions in the Dresdenverse, and also give you the rules to create your own city in the image of the Dresdenverse, so to speak. Character creation is explained very simply. Uh, the difficulty of the systems, it's a low learning curve for the system in general. And it also is accompanied by fantastic artwork that you will sometimes find in the Dresden Files comics, but some are very unique and used only for this text in general. There are about, it's about 400 pages long, absolutely huge, but very satisfying. So for anybody looking to create their own story, who wants to run in the, the pack world of Harry Dresden, whether it's as a werewolf, a magic user, a vanilla character, or if you just want to throw yourself at it, it's a fantastic time. If you have a bunch of friends that want to sit down and roleplay, I highly suggest it. It's well worth your time, it's well worth your money, and it's well worth the effort to get everybody together. I didn't mean to call you, kiddo. I'm hanging up on you. I meant to call Vince. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Don't worry. 
We are late, not because of me, but because of some jackass that doesn't understand Skype. That could be anybody, actually. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> understands Skype. He doesn't understand Skype. Nobody does. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and just to mess with you, because God, I love doing it. I know. What's going on? The podcast. How much, man? How's it going? Ugh, people forget how to drive in the damn rain. Oh, it's a little water. What's driving? Okay, drop your mic, especially if you're going to be using that girly voice often. You're going to be using Better. your Vin's voice. Yes, thank you. So what I was talking about, Joe, was one of my characters that I unlocked in multiplayer is suddenly locked now. Are you really giving Joe ammunition? Oh, he doesn't need any at this point. Every time I bring it up, it's like, oh, and look it, I found some more bad. Oh, look, I hear bad. It's like he's trying so hard to make this fail. Goodbye.